Opinions expressed in the following sponsored program are not necessarily those of KSCO Radio, its staff, management, or advertisers. If something is said with which you disagree, please call us during the program in order to help us balance comments. Welcome to the Cannabis Connection. I'm Christopher Carr. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Santa Cruz Cannabis Talk Radio. Hope you had a beautiful week and a wonderful fourth. We're coming into a beautiful time of the year. All systems grow. My guest this evening is Dan Pomerantz. He is the founder of Rebel Grown, an award-winning cannabis genetics company and lifestyle legacy and equity brand. Focused on sustainable, organic, sun-grown cannabis from the legendary Palo Verde appellation of Southern Humboldt County. Welcome, Dan, to the Cannabis Connection. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, Dan, how you doing, man? How how's it going in your neck of the woods? Yeah, things are good. I'm I'm feeling pretty great right now. Righteous, give thanks. Uh, can you tell the people where are you are calling in from? Sure. Yeah, our farm is in in Southern Humboldt, um, so we're about you know four four and a half hours north of San Francisco, um, just above the redwoods in Southern Humboldt. Righteous, righteous. And did you always live in that neck of the woods, or where, where are your roots from? Tell, speak to the, your your journey to this moment. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's quite the journey. Um, I'm nice. originally from the, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm from the East Coast, and uh, I originally grew up outside of, of Boston, Massachusetts, and I uh, I lived in Vermont, kind of out in the woods for about 10 years before moving to California in 2010. Um, and so, yeah, and then I've, I've been in Southern Humboldt um, really from 2009 and full-time in 2010 and kind of worked my way up in the, the medical collective you know, world, um, started my own collective back in, in 2011. Um, and yeah, our farm is kind of in a really kind of special neighborhood for, for those who aren't really familiar, you know, Humboldt County is a pretty large area. Um, and there's a big difference between the cannabis, you know, um, cultivation regions between the Southern part of the County and the Northern part of the County, um, with climate and really thing every everything else, and so Southern Humboldt really is kind of the epicenter and the heart of the Emerald Triangle, and really kind of the origin of a lot of the counterculture that developed around there. So it's a really special place. And in your journey to Southern Humboldt, yeah, of course Humboldt County is very very special place in in so many ways. Uh, w- w- when you started growing cannabis, was it all from seed or? Back in those times, what were those original roots that really ignited this rebel grown uh, collective? You know, the just sure. cultivars. For me, it goes back to when I was a teenager, and as soon as as soon as I started really experimenting with cannabis and seeing the impact that it had in my life and how it was, and just improving the way that I could perceive things and saw all the the positivity that it could bring. You know, I started experimenting with just planting seeds as a inexperienced teenager without a lot of information. Um, but what was cool is, you know, I had a lot of experience cultivating on the East Coast. And so when I, when I came to California, I didn't want to be an opportunist. I understood how kind of competitive the market already was and how many cultivators and how many amazing growers there had been for decades. And so I really wanted to, I wanted to come to California to live my dream of not being a criminal and participating in something where I could have a medical recommendation and grow my plants and not worry about getting in trouble for it and share herb with people. Um, and so I actually brought a collection of genetics with me from the East Coast. And then wow. be, being a genetics nerd, you know, when I got to California and had access, everybody I met in my community was a grower. So I got to experience kind of the old school um, seed varieties that were in my neighborhood and see what popular clones other growers in different parts of Humboldt County and Mendocino and Trinity County were were growing and, you know, at the time had uh, the ability to work with some of the, the earliest licensed nurseries in the in the state, let alone the country. And, and then I, of course, wanted to go to dispensaries where you could buy cannabis plants and try clones. So my genetics work really started from trying to see everything I could 
and starting to decipher what I thought was really good and special and what I wanted to work with. And what what, what kind of tickled your fancy in that regard? What what in the in your opinion uh, when you when you go? I love that approach, right? You you go to where it it can be it can be done proper. Um, the medical days, the Prop 215 era, such an important piece of cannabis history, a very big part of of history of California. Um, and, and and there was the, the Wonderland Nursery. There were these wonderful sanctuaries and amazing um, stewards of interesting genetics. What, in your opinion, in that part of your life and in, in that part of your process, stood out as 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 something really special well you know my thing is i like to work a lot of different stuff and so i i don't like to be pinpointed or cornered into picking one thing but i guess the most significant thing um which also relates to wonderland nursery as you mentioned and when i had kind of talked about working with a nursery that was one of the first licensed in the country um my first year in california the guy that i worked for um, let me start some seeds from my own collection that I had, you know, collected from other breeders or head stash and, and do a whole greenhouse. And, um, I cloned everything on the property and with me, uh, I think after testing with other growers, I had an OG chem clone that just really seemed to be special. Um, and at the time I gave it to Kevin Jodry, who's the founder of Wonderland Nurseries, which was the only licensed nursery in the state of California, let alone the country. Um, and it was one of the state's early kind of 30% THC, gassy, you know, OG dominant plants that had like really insane potency, but was also beautiful and had incredible, you know, marketable flavors. And so Kevin and Wonderland Nursery, you know, started offering that clone to all of the biggest growers in Humboldt County and really spread it out there to a lot of people. Um, thousands and thousands of growers and unimaginable amounts of pounds of weed had been grown from, from that cut. That was a seed that I had planted and grown in, in that greenhouse my first year, um, in, in Southern Humboldt. And, uh, most people changed the name of it and called it Cush Dog or Twist OG. It's probably got a lot of names. But what, what I wanted to do is work it with breeding and improve it because it was a little susceptible to powder mildew and it didn't have the strongest branches. Um, and I thought the flavor could be improved. And so through years of different kind of selections of, of outcrossing and um, creating new hybrids and in-crossing and back-crossing to the mom, we now have what we call the double OG chem. And that's, that's what we're the most known for. The double OG chem is uh, won more flower awards in the Emerald Cup than any other variety since 2017. And uh, we recently just won the Breeders' Cup and second place with it. It also placed second place in the personal category, and it also placed fourth place and eighth place grown by other farms. Um, and so that's the one that we're most known for is the double OG Kim. Wow, wonderful. What a great segue. How cool. So, okay, let me just synops, just wrap what you just shared a little bit. So this uh, opportunity to, to grow out some of the genetics you had you had kind of gathered in your in your your history and and what's what's interesting to me too is the east meets west part of the story um and and then of of that process that deep dive and and this wonderful opportunity you found the og chem clone which was really special that really strong high potency and that gassy profile uh again connecting with kevin jodry big ups wonderland we made that pilgrimage. I proposed to my wife in Ashland, Oregon, and on the way back made sure that I went to Wonderland on the way home back to Santa Cruz, and that was way back, 2015, 2017 maybe. Um, those were those good old days, very special time. And, uh, yes, the double OG chem, congrats on that Breeders' Award. That's a huge, huge, uh, especially knowing that you, you made this pilgrimage to the West Coast, uh, wow, congrats. That's such a special, special feeling. And you're so right. Uh, and that's how it goes when, when, when there's a lot of good quality flower, uh, especially in the Emerald Triangle. Some people kind of change the name. They freshen things up, make it, you know, just try to differentiate themselves in this market. But what you were stewarding was something that was really special for the community. And uh, taking care of so many heads across across everywhere. Uh, 
but with the double OG chem, can you speak to that process? Take me back to that greenhouse and and identifying, okay, this OG chem clone, this cut, very special. There is PM. That is very common with uh, OGs in general, especially in Santa Cruz. We're very well aware of, of PM and, and Botrytis. Can you speak a little bit to your process of, and this could be a broad question about your process or your team's process of selection. And uh, when you say work align, uh, it's always nice to hear what they mean, especially when an esteemed breeder like yourself joins us on the show, to learn a little bit about your, your process and to help steward this community that loves to listen and loves loves this plant so much. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think my process, um, it comes down to experience. You know, anything that any of us do, we're all making up life as we go along. And so um, just I have a lot of experience now in just spending time with the plants and taking in what I can. And I think I've, I've built a good kind of palette and intuition. And so, I mean, for the double OG chem, that specific process was, you know, from seeds that I had from another source from a different breeder um, and a whole bunch of different seeds. You know, there were several plants that really stuck out on that property. There were 137 females that had been cloned at the end of the year. And from those, you know, I had a pretty good idea of what I thought was the most special, and several of them were OG chems. So I gave them to other growers that grew indoors to immediately get them tested over the winter and get notes on what might be the best ones to keep, um, and then kept four of them alive uh, for the next year as well to grow outdoors and gave those to other growers. And so, you know, after everyone had had, the chance to grow those, including myself, it was pretty apparent which one was the frostiest, the most resinous, you know, it was pretty efficient. People were cutting it 65 days indoors and it looked beautiful and, you know, people were freaking out. Um, and that's when I noticed about the powdered mildew was seeing other people grow it indoors. Um, and so what I did is I made several outcrosses and created hybrids, um, crossing it, you know, with males from different varieties selecting, you know, varieties that might already have some chem dog or sour diesel or an OG Kush influence in that hybrid. Um, and then I also had more seeds. So I started more of the same seeds the next year and selected some, some males to make in-crosses. So now I have my next generation in-crosses to grow out and test. And I have several different out-crosses and new hybrids to test. And I was able to see which of those seemed to be the most exciting or the most impressive or found some traits. And, you know, a lot of it was amazing. And so you got to narrow down which of these ones am I going to spend my time and my space on because I can't do everything all at once. And so the double OG chem is just um, an outcross into um, an OG sour line. That same OG sour line, a female from that generation was 10th place in the 2011 Emerald Cup. So it was really beautiful, frosty, chunky, cylinder buds, great structure. And so, you know, that type of lineage, which was already related to the OG Chem into the OG Chem, made the first, you know, um, double OG Chem. And then it was back crossing a male selected from that into the original mom, you know, a male that I selected because it was really vigorous and aggressive growing with really healthy root system and a great, you know, nose on the stem rub, stem rub, excuse me. Um, and then, yeah, just different selections of starting to in-cross that line and see the different gen generations. And I'm still working it in a ton of different generations. I mean, we have regular seeds from the, the two-time Breeders' Cup winner. We have regular seeds from another really special clone from 2017 that we keep in production. Um, we have reverse feminized seeds from an entirely different production clone that's more efficient to grow and maybe a little more cannabinoid but not as much terpene. Um, and then we also have seeds from the ones we experimented with last year that won second place in the Breeders' Cup. So it's just it's an ongoing process of, you know, infinite exploration. But that's a little bit of the background just for that one variety. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I don't want to pigeonhole just one variety. But coming from the East Coast, can you speak to uh, what, what, what what's really clear to me, but maybe not the audience, is the overlap of the – and you said it – very briefly, there's like uh, lineage when we look at OG Kush, Sour Diesel, Chem Dog. Um, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this ongoing uh, discussion. A lot of what we do on this show is discuss um, 
the the history for posterity um and and I've always been I was born in Ohio lived a bit in Kansas City but I was so young and then moved to to California and so my whole life has kind of been in this in this bubble of of the west coast and uh and then in recent history my whole adult life has been in in Santa Cruz and the Santa Cruz mountains but uh on this show I've learned a lot from uh, top dog and and a little bit about some of the the lore and the history of the Grateful Dead and and, and the actual roots of of Cam Dog and Sour, uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about the overlap in in their potential lineage and how they share a very similar not only like terpene profile but I think potentially same family. I don't know. This is kind of it's so funny when we talk about cannabis. Oh, we lost him. It, it's an ongoing discussion to learn about the the lineage of these cultivars. So in short, I, I will summarize. We'll get Dan back on the show. I think he may have, uh, we just lost him from the, the mountains out in, in Humboldt County. Uh, but, oh, here he is. Perfect. JJ of Top Dog Seeds is an old school breeder from the East Coast. And uh, he would always speak to this. Dan, you're back. Welcome back, man. Sorry about that. You don't have the greatest cell service experience. I get it, man. I'll be shortened to the point, man. What are your thoughts on uh, Sour, OG, and Cam sharing the same family? Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm not going to speak to the the legend of the different stories. And there's different people who've done podcasts and explained the, the history of them. But... Um, uh, first of all, I love all three of those varieties. I really like the way they make me feel. They're all a little bit different and the flavor profiles, you know, the chem dog and the sour diesel, I think are a little bit more familiar in the way the plants grow. Um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot of, of, of legend to the story, but overall they are some of my favorite varieties, but the thing is they're all very old clones. And so most of those clones are, you know, obviously 20 plus years old at this point. And I actually think it's cooler to kind of make fresher seed lines from them. You know, you take yeah. a 25 year old plant and even the best growers, it's going to be a lot harder to get incredible quality out of it. Where if you can make a lot of hybrids and, and lines and find the ones that are more dominant towards those, but fresher genetics by 20 years, you can find things that are improvements and you can make improvements. Yeah. Um, but either so, yeah, I don't know if I could speculate whether they're related. It seems like they could be because even though the flavor profiles are different, there is so much similarity about it. And I, I grew up, my experiences with sour diesel were in the Northeast in 2002. Um, and so then I, I came to California and I just wanted to find the best OG Kush that I could, you know, and, and asked every grower and everyone I knew who had a cut. And then my the OG Kush that I've been breeding with um, – you know, I had a neighbor in Humboldt when I got there 12 years ago who said that his buyers from L.A. came up 14 years ago and said, here's OG Kush, grow this for us. Um, so that's before it was an SFB or a TK or a Ghost or a, a Josh D, you know, that, that's the, the OG that I used. Right on, man. Yeah, it's yeah, that's it. Uh Okay, got it. So this, this specific OG, yeah. Well, and you spoke... Can you speak to a little bit about the similarities of uh, of the growth in in Chemdog and, and Sour? Just uh, just defining the the you know what differentiates them and also the similarities. I would love to hear that from your perspective. So so Sour Diesels are are my favorites are my favorite to smoke. I just like the way I feel when smoking Sour Diesel. Like real well grown Sour Diesel yeah. is the latest finish. You know, it needs to go a full 77 days indoors to be done properly. And if you take it early, it really loses its flavor. Outdoors, you know, in Humboldt, we'll take it to November 5th, November 7th, as long as, as it can handle. And it's it's shown that it's incredible with mold resistance. It can go through insane atmospheric river storms and, and really not mold. Um, and it's just a pretty vigorous plant and has quite a bit of stretch during flowering. I mean, it'll really more than triple in size. Um, and so then Chemdog has really similar flavor, flavor profiles, um, but is a little shorter finishing, um, about like 10 weeks, maybe 10 and a half weeks 
Um, it depends on which cut. There's the D and the 91 that I have experience with. And the chemdogs are not quite as vigorous as sour, um, and they don't stretch as much as sour. And the flowers are a little bit denser um, and probably a little frostier and a little more potent. And the, the flavor is a little more pronounced like uh, a skunkiness more than a, a gas. Um, and so then the OG Kush is the least vigorous um, of all three of them, and it has a darker sheen to the leaf um, and just a much different. So the Chemdog has the most rounded leaf shape. The Sour Diesel has the most serrated and thinner leaf blade shape. Kind of narrow. And OG, yeah, and then the OG Kush, you know, less vigorous. You know, people take it within, you know, nine weeks, um, nine and a half weeks, and, and it's really, really nice, and it's got a denser, more compact flower that almost looks like it's got, like, an Afghani influence from, like, the resin and the grease that you see, and it's got more of, like, a, <clears throat> you know, um, like a piney, gassy, um, you know, beta-caryophylline, limonene, terpene. And so, really, all three of them... You know, it really just depends on the quality. Like, they can all be average, but when they're really grown really, really well, you know, all three are just incredible and some of my favorite herbs. Okay, hold on. I just saw a picture with you and our homie Patrick in the, in the lemon sponge cake. Can you speak to that a little bit? And I think that's, uh, we're, we're, we're Wham here in Santa Cruz and we do a full sun, um, full sun session right that's our approach and in wham has been taking care of the sick and 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 uh you know the people for 30 years it's kind of uh valerie corral co-wrote prop 215 which kind of laid the foundation for all of this uh with dennis perone and 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 the advocates uh in the bay area and the aids epidemic and jack Hare. um but this is a, a very beautiful synergy that i think connects you me and all of the above is I just looked on your Instagram and I see my boy Patrick Corrigan, uh, in the office doing the, yeah. the doing the deal and the lemon sponge cake. And, uh, can, can you speak to this uh, beautiful thing that is, uh, you know, this is, um, it's a community here and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. Well, you know, when I was a kid, you know, in the North, in the Northeast growing up and in my late teens, early twenties, you know, I, I remember reading about Wham. Um, I mean, probably, I don't know, somewhere between 98 and 2001, definitely a long time ago. And so, you know, I'm like trying to imagine what this medical cannabis scene is like in terms of like real medical cannabis. And that's like the definition of actually helping sick people with free cannabis and putting your freedom at, at stake, you know, for the plant. And so, um, Really, you know, honored to, you know, I know Patrick is working with you guys on some cool genetic stuff. And so that's a really important and historical piece of, of 215 in California's cannabis hit history. Um, and so Patrick and I are, are doing some um, R&D on my genetics. You know, it's like I don't have a nursery license on my farm, uh, which is a long story. You know, we have two cultivation licenses, but not nursery. And so we can make some seeds and do some R&D. But most of the R&D I need to do is by diversifying and working with different partners. Um, and those are folks who share my passion for looking for incredible genetics and have the resources to really dive into larger plant populations. You know, most people, they select, you know, from a pack or a couple packs of seeds, you know, 20, 30 seeds. And those guys really understand applying science as well as intuition. And so really being able to, to work with someone like that who can grow a full plant population and we can walk through a field and see hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of the same variety of our seed stock and really see the whole plant population and understand everything in it and select the best ones over time. Um, and also he's like a homie and just shares a whole lot about being passionate about cannabis and the breeding. And so, yeah, after the Emerald Cup, uh, their, their whole – whole crew was responsible for the first place and we had the second place so we we got to to get together and try them both at the same time righteous that's so sweet no it's fantastic yeah no it's been it's I, I can't tell you how the plant guides i can't i can't tell you how much that the plant is growing 
all of us respectively and connecting us in this mycelium network of this community and uh, I just am grateful for this ongoing process despite how things are challenging and there's a lot of there's a lot of tough tough things happening and a lot of uh, a lot of exhaustion I think just fatigue in general around the industry in California in many ways the legalization in California was a cautionary tale but despite all of it we're all coming together in 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 some regard we're all helping each other we're all doing the research and like you said the best teachers experience the best way you learn, the best way you can uh, progress collectively and have this cohesion is to continue to collaborate and build upon these foundations that are set. It's powerful. 98, 2001, you're reading about Wham, and here we are still today. All around us, things are, are falling off, but, yeah, Wham still lives on. And we're still taking care of all of those people. And if anyone needs anything, um, Christopher at wham.org. I'd be happy to help. Uh, that's the email. Uh, and it, yeah, it's an ongoing mission. It's that, that the, 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 the medicinal necessity of cannabis and all use is medicinal, uh, remains despite the changing of the laws and the changing of the, the markets and all of this. Like, put that all aside. We're, we're going to take care of people. And when you give love to this plant, it comes back tenfold. And that's what we've learned. And we'll continue to steward nature because nature provides. Are there other cultivars? I really appreciate you shedding light on the double OG chem. Very just it's so it's so cool to have you on the show, man. I just got to admit, I got to just uh, I was a judge in 2017 for the Emerald Cup. And I, with this show, we started the radio show in 2015. And so starting in 2015, I was a media pass to get in. And I started, I had Swami on my show in 2015. And over time, I started to get to know Tim Blake and Taylor and the whole Emerald Cup, you know, Area 101 family. But coming from Santa Cruz, it took a little time for me to kind of get to know everybody in those early days of, of being a media pass and going to the Emerald Cup, I would pick up the Rebel Grown uh, photography and those little, like, cards and your brochures. And I just appreciate from from so long ago, like, I guess it's seven years ago from my first Emerald Cup, I always thought, oh, man, this Rebel Grown group, they got some grip uh. herb. Like, this herb looks amazing, and I loved the vibe, and I just loved the the spirit of um, reverence, right? You kind of just kept it raw. Um, yeah. You know, well, just just here's a picture of the girl, and she's flou- in full flower in her glory. And I thought that was so refreshing. And, uh, yeah, big ups, man. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. I have no question there, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I just appreciate that so much because, I mean, that, that means a lot. You know, like I have been growing weed for a long time and I'm lucky to do that and I try to do as much good with it as I can but the road has not been an easy one and you know this industry has so many beautiful things and beautiful people but it's also got a a dark side and a lot of challenges and what we go through and and um so you know my original thing was Ganja Rebel or Ganja Rebel Seed Seeds Collective and 2015 is when I rebranded to Rebel Grown and that was the first Rebel that was the first Emerald Cup we went to as Rebel Grown. And so people knew us for our seed, but no one had seen that brand. And the idea was to kind of really showcase a story. And I put a lot of time and energy into it. I just said, man, if, if I'm in the hills 100% of the time and I grow all this weed and I don't get to know who smokes it, and I, I know what's in it, but we don't we don't get to know who's sharing it and how they're enjoying it. I just There's so much more meaning in creating an ideal and and sharing our story and all this stuff. And so that, that year, especially the Emerald cup was so dope because nobody knew who we were. And I rented this, this house up in the Hills outside of Santa Rosa above a vineyard. And I had, you know, medical days. So I had my collective, I had 15 trimmers packing jars of weed and seed packs until six in the morning. And it was our first glory. It was our first ever, um, you know, branded jars. And, you know, I brought 10 pounds of weed to give away. And so the instructions were, 
when we're selling the seeds, if someone's really cool, you can give them an eighth, right? And if they're really cool, give them a quarter. Wow. And so by the end of the day, everybody was like, yo, let me, can I buy more? Like, let me get four of those. Let me get eight of those. And I'm like, I don't know. We're really just a seeds collective and we wholesale our stuff differently. It's not really for that. Like here you can just have an eighth. And so, you know, it's the way way. Just give it away, man. <laughs> we saw all these brands coming down from all over California and they're selling all this weed for like, you know, 40 bucks an eighth. 45 bucks an eighth, 50 bucks an eighth, 60 bucks an eighth retail. And there's no distributor model. They keep all the money. And we're like, bro, we, our weed is some of the most fire here. And we just brought 10 pounds because we were, we were a larger scale than, than a lot of other people that were having brands. So, uh, the stuff you said was, was really nice, man. I appreciate it. Cause we, we yeah. worked hard and that was a really, that was a memorable Emerald Cup. Oh, it was for me as well. It got me so fired up, man. It, 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 it I got fully inoculated in the spirit of cannabis in, a, in, in the best way. And I was honored because this whole radio show was kind of happy accident. My whole, uh, deep dive into this community. I got right out of UCSC, was community studies major, looking about activism and, 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 in nonprofit sector and how do I apply this unique Santa Cruz UCSC degree that the alumni are Angela Davis and Huey of the Black Panther Party. And I'm like, how do I, you know, pair activism and, you know, change with, with, with this time, 20, 2014, 2015. And, uh, I was invited to, to fill eight to nine on Friday nights. And from that, from that beginning, it was around this time, it was July 2015, um, you know, I met some other friends that invited me up, and thank gosh I went because, yeah, I got real fired up, and I've been watching Rebel Grown ever since, honestly. That's seven years of quietly appreciating, yeah. like, just from afar, just like, yeah, they're crushing it. Yeah, they're doing well. Oh, they're leveling up. Oh, oh, they won the Breeders' Cup? What? Like, because I know Green Shock, Gray Shock, or Green Shock, Mark, and, and the Mendo Dope Boys, and we've, we've seen other Breeders' Cups come on the, other winners come on the show, and it's been wonderful. But to see Rebel Grown in that full circle, and kind of what you just shared is really, oh man, it fires me up. It makes me feel, yeah, we're on the right path, we're doing the right stuff, despite the fatigue, despite being beaten down, uh, let's just stay the course. And keep on crushing, because I always wonder, are we growing cannabis or is cannabis growing us? Right. Well, that's the thing, man. That's why that's why I'm doing all this, right? Because I probably could have just grown a bunch of weed and, and made a bunch of money, but I've really devoted most of my life, you know, over the last, you know, a whole bunch of years to try to build this brand. And I look at it and I go, okay, all of a sudden you start here in Humboldt County this, Emerald Triangle this, Mendo this. And it's like there's some incredible legacy people who deserve to be in that opportunity more than than I do, right? But most of those people in the beginning of legal weed don't don't aren't comfortable articulating because they've been outlaws, right? All of a sudden you don't just like put yourself out there, and so a lot of the early brands aren't um, they're not authentic, and a lot of the brands that you see today are investment companies that have made investments and need to build brands to sell their products. And so there's really no meaning. They can create one. Okay, well, this this one's going to be about this, right? Yeah. This one oh, yeah. Is, but you, you can't, you know, it's like you can't put that on the same level of, like, some of the people in my community who, like, are now third-generation cannabis farmers in, in communities where everybody is cannabis farmers. And the whole community is based on cannabis farming. It's just... It's too different and magical, and outside of the Emerald Triangle, very, very few brands have that. Yeah. So my whole thing, if I don't do it, what am I going to do? Let some corporate people who don't care as much as me and my neighbors and my community, let those people have access to the market that was created here? So it's like there's, you know, and it, it is tough times, you know, we didn't get into it, and it is about staying positive and keep go and work in and, and fighting for it. You know, things are really challenging. We, we have some, some things to be 
optimistic and excited about, but yeah, the cannabis industry has been really, really challenging and um, volatile for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, no, and yeah, that that aside, you know, I want to stay up, stay on the positive, because yeah, that is that's a given. I've never been so weathered. Uh, uh, they call me Smiley, and and it, it it is it's easy to smile living in Santa Cruz, but this this work is hard. It's hard work, and uh, I feel you. I mean, I, I it's funny too. Like Santa Cruz is a little microcosm, little like condensed hashish version of Emerald Triangle, these little hoods of different areas of the San Lorenzo Valley and the summit and the South County and Bonnie Dune and Swanton. And we have these little micro, like we're the second smallest county in the whole of California, but we have so many genetics, so many growers just been brutalized and beaten to nothing. And and then the CZU fires in 2020 really, kind of was the icing on the cake we like a lot of just everything burned uh which was so sad right and that's and that's consistent across all of california and especially northern california i'm from gold country i'm from uh where the caldor fire was last year and whoo it's just humbled humbled you just get humble humble pie and if you're full here's another humble pie you know year after year um but we're here and we're still going right. And uh, well, you know, I'm finally talking to Rebel Grown on the air. This is amazing. This is a dream come true. Yeah. And man, what else are yeah. you excited about? I would love to hear your thoughts on just you know just whatever you want to talk about. Sure. Well, I, I was going to say Santa Cruz is is one of my favorite places in California, and um, I haven't gotten to spend time there recently. But those hills totally have a lot of history with cannabis culture, and you guys have had unbelievable unfair restrictions. Um, with, with lack of opportunity for licensing. So it's just, it's a really, really unfortunate situation what's happened, um, you know, for licensing in, in your community. Um, but Thanks I'm for down, saying man. that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it's important. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, too, just forget that it's 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 a missed opportunity. We have such a, a, a wonderful brain trust of elders, too, uh, just geographically they they loved it here and stayed and and took care of the seeds. We're home of the haze. I think that the local government there, obviously, I mean, from the very little that I do know, you know, is that you have a really conservative, older local government that's really created a lot of issues. And so uh, hopefully on a state level, there's going to be legislation that says, look, this is legal. If people meet requirements, then they can have licensing for it, right? That was the whole intention. Yeah. And so... Hopefully over the next year or two, and I know that's not fair at all, things will change because, um, you know, people need to have access to opportunity if they if they meet the criteria, right? It's not. Amen. Of course, of course, that's it's the law. We we, we passed it 2016. It was a uh, state, you know, Prop 64. It's a horrible law. <laughs> Terrible. I feel like there's always responsive policy change, and I, I, I'm so sorry. I may have interrupted you, but you were speaking to something else about uh, just the the lore out here, or I, I feel like I interrupted you. I would love to hear any other thoughts you had regarding the, uh, you know, it, it's hard. I know you're really busy, super busy, doing so much. I've always ah. been, uh, <laughs> I've always been really um excited when i when i find you on e- ig and and then i've also seen talks maybe or panels probably at the emerald cup and i make sure and i grow with my dad too i also have gardens in in other counties and and uh in in tough counties really conservative counties that's the tough thing about prop 64 horrible law this local control thing is uh it's super limiting. It, it, it's it's unfortunate because you can go next door and things are just booming, and then you go to another county and it's like completely dry, completely, you know, it's just unfortunate. Especially if the county is a great place for agriculture, great place for viticulture. Uh, where I always say on the air, wherever the grapes grow, the herb will grow better. Um, so, anyways. I bring all that up to hear your thoughts on uh, do you think 
long term, you'll always be in Northern California, or do you ever feel like maybe there's an opportunity to, you know, sprout roots elsewhere? You know, so yeah, how to answer that? You know, I actually have a have some news that I, I plan on making, like a an, a pretty cool announcement pretty soon. Um, not yet though, but the way that I see it is, you know, the, I have a farm in Southern Humboldt and that's always going to be the roots of the brand that I built is going to be, you know, the Palo Verde Appalachian and that farm. And my hope for that is if I can get my brand more recognized and into more retail accounts in California and build something that people continue to want to support and continue to enjoy, then I'm going to outgrow my farm. And then I can go to my neighbors who are struggling to figure out how to evolve through legal cannabis and say, Hey, listen, if you want, I can basically give you my genetics and buy all of it from you. And because wow. we have a premium, we have a premium product that people are coming back for and happy to pay a little bit more for something that's sustainable and organic and bred over 12 years and has all these really cool layers to it. Um, I can pay you a premium and give you a little bit more than all the cutthroat people. And so that, that's kind of my hope is that I can take it beyond my farm and expand into my neighborhood within the Appalachian and eventually other growers within the Emerald Triangle who grow to a certain standard of, you know, quality, organic, sustainable um, intentions and passion about the plant. So hopefully I could grow my brand into something that can help support other small farmers who are trying to make it. And then on the genetic side, you know, I want to get my seeds into home growers. And so I've got California dispensaries and some, you know, online sites and stuff like that. But I'd like to see my product in, in other markets. And the brand, as much as we are always going to be rooted in Humboldt, you know, I'm also from the East Coast, and I'd really love to see our products available there. Um, 100%, man. Michigan. It's real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's crazy, you know, cannabis in, in Michigan. A lot of people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's real fire in Michigan, and it's a legal rec state, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts and then Vermont. So oh, I'm really so Vermont. sorry, Mass. Yeah, well, Mass too, right? No. Yeah? So Mass. Mass has marijuana, you know, they've got their, their excuse me, Hannah, um, you know, they've got billboards and it's all very corporatized. Um, I think the barrier to entry in Massachusetts was really restrictive for most people who are from the cannabis industry. I see. Um, but there's definitely a, a thriving industry with a ton of dispensaries and really large, mostly um, indoor cultivation, but definitely product is available. And then Vermont is really where I have my roots in the northeast. Oh, word, Vermont. So what's the laws in Vermont? Is it medical? So, man, that's so that's the announcement that I was going to make. I guess is this is this show recorded? Oh yeah, it's recorded every time. Okay, well I guess I could talk a little bit about this. Please. So, you know, I lived in Vermont for ten years before coming to Humboldt, and I I really love Vermont because it's. It's, you know, it, it's about nature and sustainability and small farming communities and, you know, all these all these things that I've always felt really, really cool with. And I like it. It's small. There's not a lot of people. And in, in Humboldt, you know, you know, we're close to an hour outside of town up a mountain. Um, and so I've I've had a farm here that I've been, you know, kind of bi-coastal and growing hemp the last several years, building soils and trying to see what I could do in um, Vermont has legalized cannabis and um, after all these years has figured out all the regulations and I actually just received um, approval for a commercial cannabis cultivation license in Vermont uh, last week. Oh my God. Congrats, man. Big ups. You heard it here first. How sweet. So you're going back to your roots. You're going back to Vermont in some, in some extent, right? Yeah, well, I'm figuring it out. You know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, I've got partners who have run my farm in Humboldt for for several years and have allowed me to run around California trying to build a brand um, and be where the people are, where the retailers are, and try to make everything happen. And so I have to come and go, usually from Humboldt to Santa Rosa, and you know, between those two places, wherever I need to be. Um, and so I've got great partners. We, you know, we grow with really diversify organic soil base and you know, have been doing exactly the same way 
East Coast um, and sustainable farming. Um, there's much more realistic local government and regulations um, in Vermont. And so it's, it's a pretty exciting venture um, to have a, a recreational use you know, cannabis license. And Vermont, I have the approval for the license. I have to meet a few additional requirements like setting up banking and liability insurance. Um, it's wild to think yeah. that, yeah, it's wild to think full circle that we're here in Santa Cruz talking about herb in Vermont, but the full legal, full circle opportunity, it's here. The time is now, and it's lovely. I think, I think, oh, I can't wait for the day of interstate commerce. And what I heard recently, and this could be, this could be just hearsay, but when it comes to seeds specifically, uh, with the, with the 2018 farm bill and, and hemp being legal across all 50 states, what are your thoughts on, in providing genetics? Cause I heard in the Pacific Northwest and some other parts of the country, they are selling cannabis seeds. And keep in mind, hemp is cannabis and this, this like differentiation is really hard to distinguish, but cannabis seeds are being sold at grow shops across the country. Does that mean that theoretically Rebel Grown could be at every grow shop across the country? Is that possible? What are your thoughts on that? Somebody asked the DEA for clarification on the subject, and they wrote a, a memorandum or a memo that basically said if the if the dried mass of the material is less than 0.3% THC, then it is not a controlled substance and not considered cannabis, right? Um, right. But, you know, but, but a, a seed, how can you tell if you show up with a seed, do they want totally. to grow it out? I agree. I, I agree with you. And my thing is like with, with things like that, I want to get my seed to the people, um, and that's a hopeful thing, but I'm first going to watch and see what other people do with it. Of course, um, of course, of course. You know, Not saying that it, you should do it, but I'm just saying long-term, wouldn't that be lovely to see? Totally. People, people can find our seeds. If they, if they Google and look around, and they're at some California dispensaries, but you can look around on Google and you'll find our seeds. Um, and, of course, uh, yeah, of course, ahead. of course. It's just, it's just a funny thing. I, I, I'm not saying that. Yeah, we're just speculating here, and it's. I'm just curious because I, we're all hobbyists personally, and I feel like a lot of listeners and friends on the, on the, on, you know, in the community, you might pull and chuck here and there, might have our own little thing, and it would be wonderful to see the day where. This, you free up the herb to the point where just free up the seed, um, the souvenir aspect. I know in Europe, that's the language, right? These are souvenirs. It's hemp seed. By definition, it is hemp seed, right? Yes, totally, totally. And that's our goal. I mean, I want to have our seeds everywhere. Um, but first, I want the best growers or people who are really passionate about growing to get to experience them and see why I want them everywhere, you know, and all it is is there's a million people selling seeds and mine are no better than anyone else's per se. It's just, it's my personal journey of what I found and what I've developed and, and what my, my palate and my experiences preferred. And so, um, I'm just stoked when I find something that I'm all excited and I think it's, it's incredible. And then I work, with the seeds and find a generation or a selection in seeds where everything is impressive. And, you know, to me that has a lot of value as someone who is still a seed collector and still spends money on supporting other breeders and, and buying seeds. So I, I think people are, I'm sorry to interrupt, but w what are you excited about? I feel like, um, I really appreciate the insight on the double OG cam, but what are you excited about? What excites you? Um, sure. Yeah. This year, this year is the most exciting breeding year that I've done in a long time. In a long time, and um, it's it, yeah. I mean, you know, part of it is is working with with uh, you know Patrick, like we talked about, and then we've got you know my my farm in Southern Humboldt, and then other friends with farms and some indoor collaborators, and 
just a lot more people growing our genetics and doing R&D so I can see a lot of different varieties and find more production plants. You know, in, in Humboldt, we only have like a handful of clones that we're running for rebel-grown production. And, you know, our our products do good at dispensaries, but we don't have a ton of accounts. We wholesale most of our stuff to showrooms and brokers in L.A. Um, but so this year, we're basically diving into everything. Like I have a, a massive list of, of lines that I haven't grown in six years or seven years or eight years or even longer and stuff that I haven't made a new batch of seeds in in a really long time. And I'm reselecting and back crossing to the moms of everything that I can collect. Um, the other thing is for years, I've really only grown my own genetics because I have so many projects and not enough space. And this year is the year of collaboration um, where myself and some of the people that I'm working with, you know, have, either collections from other friends and other breeders and I'm starting a lot of seeds from other breeders who I really admire or respect or think they have incredible, you know, stuff in their seeds. So we're planting seeds from uh, probably dozens of other breeders and going to do some, some outcrossing combinations, um, which I haven't done in a long time. I've been playing with within all my own genetics for, I don't know, the last five or six years. And so this year we have a lot of choices to take some of our best stuff and combine it with some of our friends and other really cool breeder stuff and see what's in there and create opportunities for collaboration and sharing more genetics and getting people who know about me to know about them and people who know about them to know about me. And my whole idea is when I work with other breeders, the way I want to draw attention to it is to create some type of like, pay it forward or giving aspect or charitable thing. And so I figure whenever we do these collaborations, we'll pick a cause that that other breeder is into and have some of the proceeds from those sales go, go towards that to create more awareness and, and recognition for something. Right on, man. That's Give thanks for that. Give thanks for your work. Give thanks for everything you're doing and everything you will do. We're in the last minute. Last 45 seconds, so it's all you. Thank you for coming on. A dream come true, true honor. Thanks for coming on and blessing the Santa Cruz Airwaves. Rebel Grown, give thanks. Yeah, thank you, guys. That was awesome. I, I really enjoyed chatting with you, and thanks for reaching out. Thanks for having me. Always, and big up, Santa Cruz. You have a wonderful weekend. You take care of each other. Be most excellent to each other. Go out there and plant something green. Uh, germinate everything, everything you can, everything you got, and we'll bring you more seed and more opportunity. This is the Cannabis Connection. I'm your host, Smiley Green, Christopher Carr, coming to you live and direct, KSCO. Tune in next week. Have a wonderful weekend.